Today's uh, Happy Mother's Day, thus the title of this morning is Happy Mother's Day. And uh, you, there's a lot of things that are said about mom and about mothers and uh, wonderful things that can be said about moms and so forth. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my mom. Then you got Rodney Dangerfield, right? Yeah, there you go. He says, when I was born, I was so ugly that the doctor slapped my mom. You know, so you got the extreme from, you know, you figured that out. Hey, no respect, no respect, all right? So you, you have the extremes there where they talk about moms. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, he also said, no man is poor who has a godly mother. And when you come into scriptures, moms are all over scriptures. Actually, women are all over scriptures. And I want to talk about moms and women this morning, if you will. I tread out on the thin ice, realizing they can crack under my feet at any time. But I don't think so this morning, but just really in a celebration here, when you come to Scripture, uh, Scripture gives a lot of detail and a lot of interest and perspective into women. Moms in particular, because it's Mother's Day this morning, but then women in the local assembly and so forth. Proverbs 4, David writes here, Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. Uh, that verse in Ephesians 6 where he talks about fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition. That's 4-1. <laughs> you know, hey, children, pay attention. The instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine and forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of who? My mother. Isn't that interesting? He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Boy, there it is, isn't it? Dad's in charge, isn't he? But who comes in? And, Dad lays down the instructions. Dad lays down the, the, the this and the that's. But who tenderizes it? Who comes in and, and makes it a little soft on the blow, you know, to the little guys? You know, I think about raising my kids and stuff, and I see new parents around here and everything and the excitement. And I think about that issue of, hey, dad's, you know, dad's job is to, here's the deal. But who tenderizes it? Who comes in and softens that? And it's, it's a mom. And when you, you're in Proverbs, get Exodus, but go to Hebrews 11. Uh, we'll start in Hebrews 11. Uh, we're going to go to Exodus, so you, you can go however you want. Hebrews 11, but when you look at parenting and you look at moms, uh, we, uh, Linda and I, we've been having a conversation here of late of having a, a young family gathering, the new families and gathering them up and talking to them and, you know, using the pool at the house and a cookout and different things. And I'm like, yeah, I think we're going to do that like in uh, October, November. <laughs> no, we'll do it in, in August or something where it's a little warmer and the pool is a little, well, Anyway, my wife loves the pool water at about eight, at about a hundred, ninety-five in there. You know, get out of the in the eighties. I'm okay. You know, we used to go swim in Lake Michigan. It was seventy-two year-round. Well, until the winter, but seventy-two, you come out, come out purple. You know, lips and everything. So, Hebrews eleven. Just, I just want to look at parents, look at moms, really, this morning with you quickly, and then get into some things. Uh, verse twenty-three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Notice there's, a, there's the parents, there's the mom and the dad. Dad is, no, we're not going to come back to Exodus 2. That's where you, you need to see this. This was the account, the historical account of it with Moses. They understood something. By the way, as we go this morning, I, I want you to see, hopefully, there's a little thin red velvet scar line of scarlet running through this. There's a little thin thing that's running through this that really literally connects all the moms together. And maybe by the end of the morning, you'll see that, I hope. Exodus chapter 2 is where we read what Hebrews 11 says Moses' parents were faithful. And they were, verse 1, and they went, uh, and there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And that's where we were in Hebrews 11. 
They know something about the prophecy given to Abraham back in Genesis about your people are going to be down in bondage in Egypt for 400 years and then a deliverer is going to show up. And when Moses' mom and dad look at Moses, you see that goodly, goodly child? He, he wasn't, some people make that out to be he was wimpy looking. or this. No, they understand that he is being born right when that deliverer is supposed to be born. He's un, he, they're putting some dots together because they believed what? The Word of God, i.e., there's our little scarlet thread, okay? So what does mom do? Mom defies the civil authorities, don't they? What's the civil authority? What's, what does Pharaoh say that's going to do? Kill them all. A Hebrew child is to be dead. By the way, if you look down there at verse uh, three, and when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put it, the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank, and her and his sister stood afar off to wit that would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maids to fetch it. And when she had opened it and saw the child and beheld, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. By the way, there's the first time you see some of that that Hebrew word used to describe Israel. Who's, Who's it being connected to? Moses. What does Pharaoh's daughter stew? Well, then she said to sit to his uh, then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Thus the sign that sits in front of the churches every now and then, don't worry. Moses, don't worry, Moses was a basket case too. And there's the issue, right? So what happens here? What is, but what does Moses' mom do? She defiles the civil authority. She goes and she hides him and she put, sets the scene so that she can do what? Raise him. Now how do you think she raised him? See, they're of the house of Levi. She just didn't raise him in the history of the world. She went over there and raised him in the Hebrew, in the Torah, in the law. Raised him up where he's supposed to be. Trains up. But you know what's fascinating? is Who gets the ball rolling? Moses' sister does. See, she's sitting there watching it done, and she goes over and says, you want me to go get somebody? I can go get a wet nurse, and she'll take care. And, and, and you know, Pharaoh's like, yeah, go do what? And off they go. My point is, is, what did mom do? She understood the word of God, what was to come. She has a young baby child and says, this, he could be that, so I need to do this to protect him. Now, he could not be the deliverer. Now, he turns out to be the deliverer, and she was right. But what did she go based off of? Her understanding of the Word of God. Come over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We'll just start in verse 4. You have Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Intricate woman, woman here. Vital woman in the history of Israel. Uh, we're not going to read all 28 verses, okay? I just FYI. Verse 5, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. Uh, the, uh, by the way, verse 4, And when the time was that Elkaniah offered, he gave to uh, Penae his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion. So her husband loves her. But what's the issue in verse 5? But the Lord had shut up her womb. She couldn't have children. 
So what does she do? She goes and she cries and she, she, she becomes literally a picture of the spiritual condition in Israel. Deuteronomy 28.18 says that there's going to be a famine in the womb of the women in the nation because they're not following the word of God. Deuteronomy 28.18. You can go look at it, okay? So what does she do? Verse 10, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaiden. By the way, do you remember another mom that's going to say, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord? Okay. And remember me, and not forget thy handmaiden, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And do you know what she does? She says, Lord, if you give me a kid, a boy, then he's going to be in the Nazarite vow all the days of his life, number six. What does she do? She's claiming, she's operating, she's functioning underneath what the Word of God gives, has said, and instructed. Because there's somebody that needs to come now. Down in verse 20 and following, she has Samuel. Verse 22, but Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide. How long? Man, she's willing to turn over her son. Someone she could not have. The Lord opens her womb, she can't have, and she's willing to do what? Go turn him over to Eli. Now, she knows Eli's not a good guy. She knows Eli's boys are wicked. But what, is, what does she do? She had the vow. Chapter 2, verse 1, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. She's rejoicing. And you know who Samuel becomes? He becomes the first prophet. And he's the one that organizes the school of the prophets. And when you read about Israel's prophets, that, that, by the way, you read about Israel, the seer, S-E-E-R, that's another word for prophet. And he organizes it, and he goes, and Eli, and, and Eli takes him and raises him to be. Come over to 2 Samuel chapter 21. My point is, but what, what caused Hannah to do? I think about that. Could you take your only child and turn him over to this? I don't know many moms that could. But that mom, she had a foundation in what God was doing in her nation and understood what, it, what the program was. Over there in, in Chronicles, it talks about the, the sons of Ishakar, how they understood the times and they knew what to do. Hannah was that way. 2 Samuel 21, you have Saul, and Saul's boys get killed. And David is, is out there, and there's a big war going on, and there's fighting, verse 8. But the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, whom she bare unto Saul. So here's one of Saul's wives. And King David takes the two boys, and he has them executed. They're killed. He delivered them, verse 9, into the hand of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord, and they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. And Rizpah, the daughter of a, took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock from the beginning of the harvest until water dropped down upon them of heaven and suffered neither the birds of the air to rust on them by day nor the beasts of the field by night. She understood that what King David did was right. He had the right to do it. He needed to do it to take care of the rebellion in Saul's family. And yet, what did she do as mom? Oh, she's there beating them off. No bird's going to have my boy. And they have to hang the, the proper time. As soon as they're down, by the way, she, they, they get buried and off they go. Actually, David ends up having them uh, uh, taken care of. He sees, Rizpah, she, he sees her testimony and that portrayal of love to the very end. Come over to Luke chapter 1. Another mom, probably one of the greatest mothers of all, some would say. 
what, what are these ladies doing? What are these moms doing? By the way, you could give three chairs to mom, couldn't you? Hip, hip, hurry. You know, here, what are they doing? She's operating on the word of God, moving through, doing what the word. Look at Mary, Luke 1. Here's Mary, the handmaiden of the Lord. Verse 26, in the sixth, sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent for God into the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and to the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. Note, look at her. Who is she? She is highly favored. She's a virgin, a little lady here who, has, who knows and understands where she's at in Israel's history. She understands the Davidic covenant. She understands the Abrahamic covenant. She understands what's going on in Israel. And the fact is, is that it's time for the Messiah to be born. And possibly it could be of me. Highly favored. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Now watch her response in verse 38. And Mary said, I don't want this. Please take it away. It means i got to live in a stable in a manger. Please, where, what, what? I don't get a Cadillac. What? I don't get a house by the sea. What? 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 No, what does she say? Behold, the handmaiding of the Lord. Psalms 116, she said. Be it unto me according to, notice that, thy word. You see, she didn't resist the word of God. She says, if he's talking to me, could you imagine seeing Gabriel? Who are you talking to? You talking to me? There's nobody around. You talking to me? You know, old Zacharias, he, uh, oh, John the Baptist's dad, he, 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 you know what he, by the way, when the angel appeared to him, you know what he did? He questioned the word of the angel. And the angel shut him up. So J, old, John, old JB, John the Baptist, was born. What did Mary do? She took him at his word. She trusted his word. Drop down to verse 46. And Mary said, my soul, What? magnifieth the Lord. Could she had easily said, I am highly favored among women. Look at me. I will have you be in holy, you know. No. Could she have pulled out the queen of heaven card? Jeremiah 44. Baal worship. What's in the apostasy in Israel at the time? Sure she could have, but she didn't. What does she do? And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. You know what she knew? She, she knew she was a sinner. She knew she needed a, a Savior. Notice how she says it. God, my Savior. In John 2, she's going to later tell the boys what he, the Lord, my son tells you to do. You do that. She just told them to do something. He comes in and says, what am I to do with you, woman? And everybody, oh, he's disrespectful to mom. No, there's a thing there in the picture with Israel and who she represents, Israel. And he says, no, I need you to do this. And she says, what he tells you, you do, not what I tell you to do. See, she took herself out of it. Why? I'm a sinner. He's my Savior. He's the Messiah. Now, watch from verse 48 down. Now, she's going to basically quote you the book of Psalms here, okay, literally. But notice... For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. Verse 49. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. Verse 50. And his mercy is on them that fear him. Verse 51. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered. Verse 52. He hath... Verse 53, he hath filled. Verse 54, he hath opened. Verse 55, he, as he spake. Do you think he, she's exalting herself or exalting the child that is to be born? Because he's born here in chapter 2. You see, she knows who's, who's there. Why? Because the word of God told her this is who this is going to be. Mary probably the greatest mom of all in Scripture, looks around and says, I'm nothing. He's. And the reason he's the one 
is because that's who the Word of God's talking about. Hannah, I need a, I want to, I, I understand the burn of every woman's heart to have a child. She couldn't. She goes over, she prays, she puts herself right where she belongs. She has a son. She goes and takes him and turns him to the temple. And he becomes Samuel, the advisor to the kings. Rizpah goes over there, sees her boys hanging, seven of them. And she weeps for the dastardly deeds that they had done. But yet, what is she there with the broom doing? Beating the birds off. Wait until the end of the time. Why? Because that's what the Word required. That's what the Word was doing. Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Then you've got Mary. I, again, she's literally quoting to you the entire book of Psalms, especially the Messianic Psalms about who her child is. He's her Savior. He's her Messiah. Why? Because she needs an attaboy corner and a gold star by her name? No, because that's who the Word of God said. It was time to be born of a woman made under the law and deposited into humanity. 2 Timothy 1, Paul Dealing with Timothy, 2 Timothy is, the local church is in trouble now. It's an apostasy. It's left Paul. It's left the issues of right division. It's left and gone off and mingled itself back into Israel's program. And Paul, Timothy's having a tough time. Timothy's in those dark days in despair of, of depressive thinking, bad thinking. He's ready to be done with it. He's at Macedonia. He's at Ephesus. Ephesus, that great church, their big old church, is now windled down to just a little few. He carries the moniker of verse 15, that thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned from me. That's his moniker. That's happening under his watch as the, the leader there at that church. I'll be honest with you, to see the room half filled and, 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 and less than half, yeah, it weighs on you. Why? Because... What am I doing wrong? And that's where Timothy was. Timothy began to, to doubt and to question. By the way, discouragement says one word. Quit. Actually says two words. I quit. That's what discouragement does. That's why you get down. And he's sitting there and he's down. And watch what Paul says to him, verse 5. When I call to, verse 4, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears. It hurt Timothy to see people leaving. It breaks his heart. You know, it breaks my heart when I see some of us, people here, people I know, follow after bad doctrine. By the way, that's who Phygelus and Hermogenes are. They are they're promoting bad doctrine. They're promoting Doctrine that puts you back underneath a performance-based system. Takes away from the riches of the grace of God. And Paul says, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Unfeigned faith. Think about this. Unfeigned faith. Faith that's legitimate. Faith that's true. Faith that isn't a hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is? Say one thing and go do another. That's a hypocrite. And he says, I want, that pure, I want that true faith that you had in it that dwells in you, and I want to stir it up. But watch, where it, what, watch the rest of the verse. That is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Timothy had an impact of a godly mom in his life and a godly grandmother in his life. You go and reread in Acts where Timothy shows up. Dad was a Greek. In, in spite of dad, what did mom do? What did grandma do? Come over to chapter 3. What did they do? They put the scriptures in front of that boy. 
chapter 3, verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. What has he known growing up? The Scriptures, and that, that's the point. I, I, there's a lot more in 15, but go back to 1, 5. What's he say here? He's, Timothy, think about your mom. Think about grandma. By the way, grandmas, do you see the impact you have on your children's children? It's there. And if somebody say, well, what about us grandparents? What, what do you mean, what about you? Get in there, man. You're going to have them grandkids, you babysit them, you take care of them. Stick a verse in that mush. Don't give them world and human viewpoint. That's just stupidity. That's ignorance. Stick a verse in there. Why? Because they'll listen to you quicker than they're going to listen to mom and dad. And they'll listen to you quicker as they get older than sometimes mom and dad. Okay? I've been through the teen years. That's, there's a reason why in Scripture there are no teen years. It's children and then adults. Because in your 20s, guess what you still are? A child. Until the dad says you're good to go. <laughs> See? Well, 18. No, you 18, you can't even blow the wax out of your ears. You're just getting started. I get off on that. Moms. Look at this. What did Timothy's mother do? What did grandma do? They instilled something in him, an unfeigned faith, not a counterfeit faith, but some real sincere belief in what the scriptures say. All, again, all these moms, I, I told you, they got a scarlet letter, a scarlet thread, and it's what? The Word of God. At every turn, it's the Word. What's the Word say? What's the word? What does the Word say to you and I today? Let's go do that. Let's instill that in there. Now, dads, you're right here next to them. They're not on their own. Timothy's situation is a unique situation, by the way. Where dad is there, but he's not, he don't care. See? Some would say she was a single mom. No, she was not a single mom. She was married. She just had a dad that checked out. He's there. So what does she do? She turns. But that's why 1 Corinthians 7 is such a wonderful chapter about this scenario. But what does she do? She looks over and she gives him a foundation of the word of God. Rightly divided, by the way, because she comes in, she's a member of the church, the body of Christ. She's under Paul's ministry. That's why in Acts, when Paul goes back through, Timothy joins up with Acts, with Acts, with Paul. Timothy literally is a young man, nobody knows his age, and he spends a majority of his adulthood with the Apostle Paul training and doing the ministry. That's why Paul would tell the Philippians, I'm going to send Timothy. There's, and, look over there at Philippians. <clears throat> Philippians uh, chapter 2. Philippians 2 verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Boy, what an endorsement by the Apostle Paul on Timothy. Timothy, you're going to go and you're going to take care. And the Philippians, he will naturally care for you the same way I would. Boy, that's a great... Where did it start, though? It started with mom and grandma. And when you think about the Apostle Paul and mothers, they are usually godly women. And he talks about, you're in Philippians, look in chapter 4, when Paul talks about women, mothers, grandmothers, he talks about them in a great respect. And I know what happens. People say, oh, Paul tells women to keep silent in the church. 1 Corinthians 4, 13, don't you know? Well, no, uh, 14. But do you know the context of what he's talking about? There's a reason why he says women are to keep silent. Because it has to do with the sign gift program. 
and they're to remain quiet. But it has to do with the authority in the local church. Why does he say to, in Timothy, in 1 Timothy, it is not good for the woman to usurp the authority of the man? What's the context? The local assembly. So usually when Paul talks about women, moms and everything, he's talking about them where? In the local assembly. What's happening in, marriage, in home life? Well, you've got the roles, husbands and wives and family, children, parents, and so forth. They're doing that. But he says, hey, when we come together, when it comes to the work of the ministry, women are vital. They're important. They are critical. They are what takes the local church and they do Proverbs 4 and tenderize it and soften it and make it a home. You know, you can have a house. But it isn't until mom gets there, or wife, and then it becomes a what? A home. In the local assembly, it's the same issue. Ladies, you have a role to play here in the local assembly. And what drives that role is the issue of sound doctrine. The issue of creating a... a, Us guys, we can be hard-headed... If you don't believe me, just come on a Sunday or Saturday morning at the men's fellowship. <laughs> we can get rough. We can get kind of gruff. It takes the woman to come along and to do what? Round off those edges. And they do it. Yeah, we've had baby showers. Think about that. A guy would never throw a baby shower. Here's the Target card, gift card. Go, have fun. Thank you very much. But yet what happens? The ladies say, oh, no, 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 no. When Mandy had their, when Jordan and Mandy had their second, I looked at Linda and I said, what are you going to do? She goes, we're going to have a diaper shower. And I'm like, a diaper shower? What is that? It's the second kid. They don't need anything. He's got everything. Nope, she needs, she, and next thing I know, I'm at Walmart with the basket load. Going, what happened here? They're not even mine. What are you going to do when yours happens? She goes, I'm going to do the same thing. And it's in my will, doggone it. And I'm like, okay, relax. You know? what, that's, the, that's the idea, though. Come in. And, and by the way, it isn't just moms. It's women, period. We have single folks. We have folks with no children. We, it's all of the collective of, the, of, of womanness that's there. Look at Philippians 4. Just know, I just think about this this morning. I know it's Mother's Day and kids be taking your mom. I took, me and my two brothers, we went to take my mom to a brunch after church one Sunday. And we were, we were, we didn't understand anything when we did this. So we go in and it's at a hotel and it's nice. And it's a place that mom, you know, take mom to. It's brunch. It's after church. It's a hundred bucks. We don't know. We got five bucks between us. So you know what my dad did? Looks pretty, doesn't it? Let's go. No, dad did what? He paid the bill. You know, we had a nice set. Go do. Again, this is the family tradition things. Just okay. Look at Philippians 4.3. Now, Paul's dealing with a whole bunch of stuff here. Philippians is a book of, uh, of, correct, of, of reproof. Philippians, they got, they're mature saints. They're older in the word, but yet they've allowed their emotions to kind of dictate. But, so he, he's going to say something here. I entreat thee. Uh, by the way, verse 2, I beseech Eodius and beseech uh, um, Sinti. I'm going to say something, and I'm already it's in my brain, uh, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. See, they're arguing. So you've got Eurodius and so touchy. See, that's you, 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 so touchy, okay? But that's, again, they're having issues. We, you got two ladies that are arguing, that are fighting. But what I want you to see is verse number three. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. Boy, look at that, yoke fellow. Just notice the terms of endearment here. Now, he's not talking to the ladies. He's talking to the men in the assembly there at Philippi. Help those women. Why? They're arguing. They're fighting. Get in there. Do your job, guys. Men, you're to be the elders and the leaders and the bishops and the deacons. Get in there, leadership. Get in there. Let's get on it. But watch. Which labored with me in the gospel. 
with Clement also and with those other with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Notice what he says. That they, what did these ladies do? They labored with him where? In the, in the work of the ministry. They weren't just hanger-honors, hanger hanging out. They were actually in the trenches with Paul working, doing, getting on with the work of the ministry. Now, right now, in Philippians, they're kind of, you know, upset with each other. We're going to work it out. Come back to Acts chapter 16. But when you see this, you begin to see that the ladies are very dear to Paul. They're very important because they're laboring with him. They come up side by side. They don't try and run the show. They don't try to come along and be in charge. Now, I know what happens. Sometimes there's no men to be in charge, and the ladies want to see it done and get it done, and that's fine. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about in the context of a local assembly. So what makes up a local assembly? Philippians 1.1, the saints, the bishops, and the deacons. So we got saints. Well, out there in the saint land, there better be some men who need to step up and take on the leadership role. That's their job. That's their roles in the local assembly. So if that's the case, ladies, let them lead. Let them do. You just come along and round off the edges <laughs> so it's not so sharp. You, you follow? Acts 16. You've got verse number 12. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days, and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the woman which resorted thither. So Paul's at Philippi. Where were we reading in Philippians? Philippi, okay? Now watch what happens. And a certain woman named, what? Lydia. A seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she was attended unto the things which were spoken of by Paul. What'd she do? She heard Paul's gospel and got saved and said, this is a guy we got to pay attention to. This is a man we need to be around. Now, you have Lydia. She's at Philippi here. By the way, this is the Macedonian call that everybody talks about. Paul, the Macedonian call. And Paul gets over there, and it's a woman. Uh, it's a man over here, but it ends up being a woman over there. It's crazy. But now watch verse 15. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us. So who's the us? Paul? Timothy? The guy's with Paul. She besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. You know what she does? She says, Come on over for, for brunch. I'm going to feed you. And, you know, Paul and them, well, we got to. And she literally constrains him, grabs him by the neck, nap of the neck, and throws, You're coming with me. Now, not literally, okay? But that's what she does. She didn't let him off the hook. She goes. And you know, you know what I know what's happening because I oh here we go it's gonna be a doozy woo here we comes you know because she's a woman and you know what and he didn't do that at all by the way that's what man thinks though what does Paul do verse sixteen and it came to pass as we went to prayer you know what Paul does he goes right on with business he goes right on with ministry. In verse, in, in verse 16, he deals with the, the damsel here with the spirit of, uh, of divination and the soothsaying. Uh, and he goes down and deals with them. They get cast into prison. Verse 25, Paul and Silas, they prayed. They're singing it. The Philippian jailer. What do you have starting here? You have the local church at Philippi starting. And you know where it's going to start? It's going to start in Lydia's house. Look at verse 40. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, where are the brethren at? They're at the house of Lydia. They're sitting over there where the little lady down by the riverside who heard the gospel, gets saved, sees the imports of, of Paul, supports Paul in the ministry at Philippi, getting the work going. He gets delivered out of the prison down there, and he comes to her house. And when they had seen the brethren, and they comforted them and departed. What? 
who was instrumental in establishing the church at Philippi? Lydia was. What did she do? Lydia preached three messages every day. No, what did she do? She had hospitality, didn't she? You want a place to get together, brethren? Come on over. We got a big living room. And if the weather's just right, we got an even bigger backyard. Come on over. And you know what? By, by the way, back there, we, um, that issue back there about Philippi being a colony, see, believers couldn't meet like we meet today. They could, Christians could not own property. It was against the Roman law, especially if you said you were a Christian. They hated you. What does she do? Don't worry about that. Come on over. And she's there. She created a place of refuge. She created a place of comfort, a place, a garden of Eden, if you will. She created a place where Paul could, could leave and come to and re, re, get revigorated. Because in Acts 17, you know where they go? They go to Thessalonica, and they go right back into the heart of the battle after being reju re, rejuvenated, I'll get it out, over here by Lydia and her household came in and said, here, you sleep here tonight. Paul's like, no, 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 I'll take the barn. She goes, oh, no, you don't. You're in the number one guest room. Let's go. No, I, I don't want to put you out. I don't care. Sit down, shut up, and be quiet. She goes, constrain him. Get in there. Okay? Come over to Romans 16. Romans 16. You see, ladies in general, moms in specific, moms, you got a little brood around you. You got a job to do. Dad's going to give the instructions, lay it out. This is where we're going to go. By the way, dads, don't leave mom at home when you're doing that. Work together. That's why it's called parents. Parenting. Work together. Have the same. Go the same way. You know why? Because your kids can smell division a mile away. And they will use it as a dividing point between you and your spouse. Don't let them do that. United front. This is what we're going to do. Have you ever told your children, what did your dad say? And he says, we can have the chocolate ice cream. And you go, and moms, you know better. Because what did you tell dad before you talk? We ain't having ice cream. It's too, it's too late, you know, right? And yet what does old little, little Bowen do? Ah, I want ice cream. And off he goes and gets ice cream because dad gave him ice cream. And mom comes in going, <coughs> and dad goes, oh, man, we're in trouble now, you know, right? You know how it works together ladies here we have a job to do i don't want you to think you don't romans 16 verse 1 i commend unto you phoebe our sister which is a servant of the church which is at sinceria that's corinth phoebe think about phoebe She's that ye would ye, that ye that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. What is she? She's a businesswoman. She's of Corinth. You know where he writes the book of Romans? Corinth. Phoebe says, Hey Paul, I'm going to Rome. I got a business trip to go. And you know what he says? Here, take this, but be careful, it's the only copy I got. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a joke. He says, here, take this. Go down by three taverns down there. Find the church that's at Rome. Here's their address and deliver the book to them. And she says, I'll guard it with my life. He puts her in scripture. The Holy Ghost writes that down there. Because what did she do to Paul? Look at the end of verse 2. For she hath been a succor of many and of myself also, Sucre, a helper. What did she do for Paul at Corinth? What's going on at Corinth? It's not, a, it's not a Saturday off. He's in the middle of a battle. He's in the middle of a war raging spiritually. He's up against life and death. Lewd men of the baser sorts. He's been to Thessalonica. He's coming back. He's got all this going, waited on him. And you know what she does? She goes, come on in here. I got a little sweet tea for you. Sit and relax. If it was my dad, it would have been Dr. Pepper, but I don't drink that. So here's a little sweet tea. Here's a little tea. Sit down. 
here's a little bit of an apple. Just relax. Take the afternoon off. And Paul couldn't do that. He was a nervous Nelly that way. But what did he have? He knew he had a place of refuge that he could step back into and say, okay, and then boom. She's a helper. She's a sucker. Now, but keep reading. Verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ. Now, notice it's Priscilla and Aquila. In Acts and in other places, it's Aquila and Priscilla. The names are reversed here for a very special reason. What are they? They're his helpers. Who hath for my life laid down their own necks, but whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. When it says Priscilla and Aquila, there's no doctrine being discussed or articulated or commanded. Rather, what is it? The comfort, the stability, the helper, the hospitality. Because you know what, by the way, when it says Aquila and Priscilla, you keep reading and doctrine is being laid out. And it was Aquila and Priscilla that bring Apollos up to date. It's Aquila and Priscilla that go to battle in Acts. Why? Because there's doctrine being exhorted. And the authority of exhorting the doctrine resides in the head of the house and resides in the leadership. But Priscilla, she was our helper. And, oh, by the way, and Aquila. We just throw him in there too. And there's a helper there. Look down at verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 6. Greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. I think about that. Not only, she's, now this isn't Mary, mother of the Lord. This is a different Mary. What'd she do? She labored on him. These other ladies are working side by side in the ministry. She comes over and says, bring me your laundry. I will do your laundry while you're out doing. Come on over here. I got the Yeti packed. It's good to go. The sandwiches are made. Go. She's what? She's working on him. See that? Completely different than working like Phoebe and those guys. They did the same thing, don't get me wrong. But her focus was, you know who this man is? He's our apostle. He's the guy that's getting the message directly from God, giving it to us, and he's important. And we can't let anything happen to him. And they have an attitude about Paul as the apostle in that manner. If you look at verse 10. Salute approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristopolis' household. Who's in the household? The wife is. The, the ladies are. Verse 12. Salute Typhina and Typhosa. Uh, uh, Ty, Typhosa. Sisters. TNT sisters. Who labored in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis. There's another lady which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Look at that. You see the ladies are all over the place here. Why? Because they're vital. Verse 15, you got a sister there. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. You know what? You know what these folks did? They valued the ministry so much. That, that was their attitude. Come over to Titus. All right, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 2. These ladies understood their moms. They're raising their children. They're bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. They're laying the word of God in front of them. They're bringing their, they've got, the point, folks, is, is women played an integral part in the work of the ministry. And what Paul does at the end of Romans 16, in Romans 16, is he acknowledges their role. They are to play a tremendous role in the local church. They have roles to play. They have jobs to do. What did I tell you? 1 Timothy 2. Look at verse number 9. As Paul is laying out the roles here. Chapter 3, he's going to give the, whole, the role of the men in the leadership. But in chapter 2, he, he, he gives the role of the ladies. And, and there's, a, there's a reason for it, and he gets to it in 2 Timothy, and where he talks about silly women laden with sins. See? If you don't, gentlemen, if we don't protect our ladies, 
Satan will use them to gain an advantage. That's the leadership's role. Husbands, it's your role at home, but here too, see, to protect you. 1 Timothy 2, look at verse 9. In like manner, see this, in like manner, there's this issue here of roles. That women adorn themselves in modest apparel with what? Shamefacedness and sobriety. Not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Now, that doesn't mean you can't wear jewelry. I know what they do. They run that down there. I'm going to be honest with you, ladies. If you're married... Who, tell, who approves your apparel is your husband. That who, is who approves your apparel. But what I want you to catch is in this verse, the issue really isn't the apparel. The issue is the shamefacedness. Okay? Now, if you're single, because like, then who approves your apparel is you when you look in the window, in the mirror. But what, what triggers that? This issue of shamefacedness. Look at, look at the verse. That they adorn themselves in modest apparel with what? With you're adorning yourself with the issue of shamefacedness is the issue of blushing. Will what I wear cause someone to blush? Just think about our society and what is popular right now. We were, yesterday I was out and we were in Fry's looking at getting some stuff for the kids and everything for today. And this girl walks around and she's got the Daisy Dukes on and she's got the tank top on. And every inch of her exposed was covered with a tattoo. Because that's popular today. Now, I'm not getting into tattoos, but you know what? It was with what? I... We had to look away. That's the shame. The blushing. Blushing to improper behavior or speech or lifestyle or dress. You follow? Now, again, at home, the husbands, that's your job. That's your wife. Would you want your wife walking around looking like that? Then what are you going to do? There's going to be some instruction on that. Okay? Hopefully with grace and a little love and a little, you know, anyway, I won't, I'll stop, okay? Thank you, okay? But see, now in a local assembly, bring this in. What would happen here? What do we do? Guys get going, and we tend to forget about what? The proper. So what is the ladies, one of the ladies' role is to do what? <coughs> that isn't proper, guys, and let it be. Not it isn't proper, you need to be doing, but it's, hey, that's not exactly proper. I get this all the time. Not all the time. From my wife. I get it from my mom, who's in Chicago. I kid you not. You need to be wearing a tie and a shirt. Mom, it's 1995. Come on. No. What are you wearing shorts preaching in? What are you... She's in Chicago. The only way she found out was somebody ratted on me. <laughs> but who is she? She's my mom. And she has what? Shame faith. Properness. That it, we don't do that because it's not proper. You follow? That's what he's talking about. He ain't talking about you can't wear. I, there's nothing more spectacular than a string of pearls on a lady's neck. They're beautiful. He's not talking about you can't have that, you can't wear that. He's talking about having what? Proper. Being appropriate. Being, where, being how you're supposed to be as a mom, as a wife in the local assembly. You, I, I, okay? Beat their dead horse, all right? Come over to Titus chapter 2. So ladies, in the local assembly, you do have a job. You do have some, you have an impact and the reason you have an impact is because of Titus 2. You have little ones running around. You have kids running around. You're helping. You're, and by the way, if you're a grandparent, man, you have such an impact on those little guys way beyond what you could ever imagine. Titus 2. And you need to be aware of that. 
and not, don't use it to beat up on their parents, by the way. Use it to be their grandparent, to look at them and say, listen, you know what, you need to understand that you're a sinner. Do you know why you do that? You're a savage. You're a heathen. What's a heathen, Mom? Oh, what is she saying now to my kids? You know, I, I hear it, you know. Why? You're a sinner. You need the Savior. Now, don't preach at them all the time because I'll tell you what happens. If you preach all the time, people, they won't come around you. They will go the other direction. They will beg your kids not to bring them to you because all they hear is, rang, 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 rang. you got to love them. And when you get the opportunity, you just gently put that verse in their head. you got Titus 2 now, right? It's time to be done. Titus 2. Watch verse number 3. Verse 1, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That's what we're about. In the local assembly he's talking about. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity, and patience. Boy, what a high standard for us old guys. By the way, the aged here is an issue of maturity. Okay? An issue of being mature and, and movement is also an issue of age. Okay? Because at 20 you don't have this. At 20 you have no patience. By the way, at 52 you have no patience. You have no patience. <laughs> Work on that, you know. Okay? But watch the next verse. The aged women likewise, that they be, now watch, in behavior as becometh holiness. There's the shamefacedness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. It always fascinated me that, that a young lady has to be taught to love her husband. You know why, guys? Because there's days you ain't lovable. And there are days that, you know, you know where that little lady, that wife of yours is going to turn to? Mom or mother-in-law. And as mom or mother-in-law, you know what you're to do? You're to guide them into doing what? You married the jerk. He's my son. He's a jerk. I know that. I raised him. And now we got to work through this. See? Teaching. Ladies, you got a teaching ministry right here. You don't need to be up here. You don't need to usurp this authority. You need to do what? You've you got a role to play. Keep reading. It gets better. To be discreet. Oh, my goodness. Chaste. Keepers at home. And that's the verse that everybody, oh, see, Paul wants women pregnant, barefooted, in the kitchen, all that. No, what's going on at home? Life is what's going on at home. If you're not married, I mean, if you're married and you don't have kids, what do you got? You got a husband to dote over. You got life going on. If you got kids, that's a whole different, you got life. Be a keeper at home. By the way, how do you keep, be keepers? How do you do that? You do it with verse 1. Sound doctrine. Drive, put that hedge about that house of sound doctrine. Let that be what protects that house. Good. Uh-oh. Obedient to their own husbands. Wow. Stick them, Paul. No. What does a wife do? Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto who? The Lord. Proper mindset. That's what he's talking about. When the husband comes in and he's being ridiculous, let him be ridiculous. He'll wake up one day. You stand in front of him and say, you dummy. And wah, 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 wah. You know what he's going to do? He's going to haul off and hit you. Verb, not physically or any of that. Okay, like I always have to do the PC thing. He's not going to listen to you. You know what he's going to do? He's going to go turn you off. And then you're going to be calling me going, he ain't listening to me. I wouldn't listen to you either. You see, being keepers, being where you're supposed to be, as who you are in Christ, as a wife, as a mom, as a daughter, as a sister. Why? The end of verse 5. That. Here's the reason for this. That the word of God be not what? Blasphemed. That's why Abraham Lincoln said, a man is not poor that has a godly mother. You come along. You think about women. I think about women in the ministry. I think about Mother's Day. 
Again, that's what we're celebrating today. I read this stuff about Paul and how he lays that out. That's your jobs in the local assembly. Now, home life's a little different. You got a role there to play as wife and mom. I get that. But man, when you come in here, you have a role to play as well. Ask questions, learn, grow. That's the only way you can do. And you know what happens? You become an integral part of the local church, the ministry. It's fascinating to me that Paul celebrates the women in the local assembly. Dads, if I can say it to you, it's printed on your sheet, it's on the overhead. The most important thing that you can do for your children, to your children, is to love their mother. They need to see it right there. They will not see it in the world. The world's a little upside down right now. Where are they going to have to see it? At home. Happy Mother's Day. It's a great day to be a mom. It's a great day to be a part of the local church as well. Our dear Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for the moms. We thank you for the women here that are a part of this local assembly and that do and that work and that care and cultivate And as we go today and as we celebrate moms and as we say thank you to moms, that we would just be reminded of that little handmaiden that said, I'll be the Savior's handmaiden. And I'll do what the Word has asked me to do. And that that young baby became our Savior. Died, was buried, and rose again the third day for all of humanity. And that is the ultimate honor and glory that we can get to think about that, to remember that, and to be thankful for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's